Hey, Ripple family, Jerry Heiderscheid, um, one of the directors with Ripples from the Well. Excited to come back to you with podcast number two. So we're going to start a series this week uh, called Meet the Team. And so we're going to introduce a couple different board members. I'll start with myself, talk a little bit about my background today. And then with the next podcast here in just a couple weeks, we'll circle around to another director or another board member. Uh, maybe it might be Eddie, maybe it'd be a local board member, but we'll get you some more information on the different uh, team members that we're working with both here and abroad. So if you followed our first podcast, it was just basically an introduction to Ripples from the Well, who we are, how we got started, what we're doing, why we're doing it, uh, you know, where we're doing it. And uh, if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you press pause on this one, jump back, listen to that first podcast. It's about 15 minutes long and then circle around back to this one and check it out. So as I mentioned, my name is Jerry Heiderscheidt. And so just a little background on me. Um, I actually grew up in Great Bend, Kansas, about an hour from where I live now here in Hutchinson. Uh, moved here in 2000, uh, which is actually uh, when I met my future wife. I was a freshman in high school. She was in eighth grade. We both were attending at Haven, uh, which is just outside of Wichita. And uh, I don't know, I've been chasing her ever since. And so I've been married for 13 years now. We got two little girls. Um, Grace is nine years old and she loves to sing. She loves to swim. Uh, she's basically a mini version of my wife. And then Mia is five years old and that kid's pretty radical. She moves about Mach three and just super fast all the time. She just this week pulled out two of her teeth by herself, just yanked them right out. <laughs> so, um, but she always just kind of speaks whatever's on her mind. So that's always lots of fun, lots of laughs from that. And so, uh, Mia loves to dance and, uh, to make a lot of noise. Uh, Joni's background was actually in banking. She did that for about 10 years, left that career to help start a nonprofit coffee shop that actually pulled girls out of sex trafficking. So she did that for several years as well. Um, my background actually now is in banking. It's in mortgage lending. Uh, together, we own and operate a couple different businesses as well. Uh, one in real estate, uh, one in marketing. And uh, you know, my background prior to this, uh, I owned a couple other businesses that didn't do so well. And prior to that, I was actually a, a diesel mechanic for Union Pacific Railroad. So kind of been all over the place a little bit, went to school to be a mechanic. Um, I would jokingly tell people that I was kind of drug kicking and screaming into ripples from the well. Um, you know, it was six, seven years ago, my pastor did a message where he said to, to put your yes on the table. And what he meant by that was, at some point, God's going to put a calling on your life. God's going to create an opportunity or put a desire in your heart that you're supposed to do something. And to be clear, there's no insignificant roles in kingdom work. So whether it's holding doors at your church, plunging toilets, doing prayer walks at the local high school, starting a Bible study, a prison ministry, whatever it is, there's going to be some kind of a calling. And it's a lot easier for you to decide now to put your yes on the table. If you love God and you love others, then you put your yes on the table now. And when those opportunities present themselves, the decision's already been made. And in my heart at that time, five, four, five, six years ago, I had already said yes. And so even just today, I was asked to share at a local church. I despise public speaking, um, but my yes was on the table uh, before I was asked. And so I was able to share there. So when this opportunity comes up, when I when I met Eddie, you know, three years ago, three and a half years ago, my wife and I said, well, let's help a little bit. Let's let's buy some rice for these kids and let's, you know, maybe help put a couple of them through school. That was all I thought that we were going to do. Um, I figured they'd find 
help with local support and things like that. But door after door kept getting opened and challenge after challenge kept presenting itself and God kept showing up in some pretty amazing ways. If you keep following this podcast, you'll get to hear a lot of those stories. It's it's honestly pretty amazing. But uh, I argued with God and I feel like he reminded me, he's like, your yes was on the table, so don't don't back out now. And I just remember thinking, well, surely somebody else is going to come along that does this better. That And maybe they still will. Who knows? But, you know, I kept thinking somebody's going to come along that's, you know, bigger, better, and faster at this than me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pass the baton to them and, and maybe I'll just kind of, you know, play a background role. Um, I don't ever want to be in the limelight or any of that kind of stuff. And so I kept thinking that that would happen. And God made it clear that that's not the case and that this is where I'm supposed to be. And again, my yes is on the table. And so my encouragement to you with all of this is if a diesel mechanic who graduated from Haven High School um, is going to be going to developing countries and building schools and, and, and through it, you know, with a team and, and uh, you know, finding sponsors for kids and, and you know, kind of um, trying to, to, take, to take charge of this organization a little bit, um, then I would encourage you to put your yes on the table and see where that takes you as well. Um, it's not always easy. It's scary. And uh, a lot of times you may uh, question whether or not that's your role, but that's between you and God. I pray to God, put your yes on the table and keep in mind there's no insignificant roles in kingdom work. So even if it's something simple, doing prayer walks, if that's where God has you, do it. So that's a little bit about me, uh, a little bit about my background, my wife as well. And at some point we'll have her on a podcast. She doesn't want to do it, I'm sure, but <laughs> she'll be glad to do it. Her her yes is also on the table. Um, so we'll get her to share some point as well. And maybe my daughters will, will come say hi also. But uh, we're going to roll into a, a time of kind of updating everybody on where we are with fundraisers, where we are with uh, the progress of you know getting presents for Christmas and things like that. And then we'll probably wrap up with maybe giving a little bit of insight on you know how you can be praying for ripples from the well. So we started a um, fundraiser a couple months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, called Making a House a Home. Um, the goal overall was to raise about thirteen thousand uh, dollars. Right now we're a little over eight thousand, and with this fundraiser, the hope was that we would buy mattresses, mattress covers, mosquito nets, shoes, clothes, possibly blankets. Uh, and a toy for every kid, and then some playground equipment for the children's center, for the orphanage. And the reason that we were trying to get all of this stuff is one, most of these kids have never had anything brand new. We were able to buy mattresses last month, and I got so many messages from these different kids crying and giving, or at least, you know, with tears, uh, you know, through Eddie, kind of hearing these messages from Eddie that uh, they're saying things like, you know, wow, uh, you know, this is so amazing. Um, I, I, I know that, you know, I'm not a mistake that I, that God didn't mess up when he made me that cause they don't have parents. And so they often have questions about their self-worth or their value or were they an accident and something as simple as a new mattress to them was, while it's something we take for granted, but for them, it was something so significant that it helped them with their own uh, idea of their worth. And so it's just, it's been pretty um, amazing to kind of see their response and their gratitude for some of these simple things we've been able to give them so far. To go back a little bit further, earlier this year, um, a local uh, business donated to remodel our children's center. At one point, the, the Ugandan government, uh, the local city officials had condemned the building that our kids were staying in. And rightfully so, it was in very bad condition and it was on our radar, something that we wanted to remodel. But the budget hasn't been there yet, so we were trying to make do with what we had to work with. But somebody came along, 
because this building had been condemned and the kids were being displaced, somebody came along and donated to uh, cover the remodel. So new concrete, new flooring, new, new windows, new roof, uh, a fence around the building, painted it. It looks amazing. Um, if you follow our Facebook page or jump on our website, you'll see some of the pictures. It's uh, so exciting. It's kind of breathing life into a really bad neighborhood. And so um, very exciting to be able to do that. Well, that's where this fundraiser came from, making a house a home. So now we've got this, what looks to be a new building, but it's still full of old stuff, old mattresses, or it was full of old mattresses, uh, no place for the kids to put their clothes and their toothbrushes and things like that. They all just kind of pick a spot on the floor. It was so empty. And so we've been going through this fundraiser and the goal is to make this house a little bit more homey, right? A little bit more like a home. And so we've already got the mattresses. We've got the mattress covers. We've got mosquito nets for the kids. We actually just two days ago sent the money over for Eddie to go buy each kid a new pair of shoes and a, and a pair of clothes. And the hope is that we can get a second pair of clothes a toy and a blanket for each kid before Christmas. And if things go really good, then maybe we can even get some playground equipment installed um, outside as well. Now that's that's the, the stretch goal for this year. So that's where we're at with it. We're working on it right now. We've got about f almost five, like $4,800 to go to finish up this uh, this fundraiser. And so if you have it uh, you know, on your heart and you decide that you want to get involved and you want to help, this would help us to kind of complete the process of getting that uh, that building not just remodeled but full of uh, things that would make it uh, feel a little bit more like home for these kids. If you're familiar with our process, um, we don't just have 100 kids sleeping there right now. At one point, that's exactly what it was: 106 kids crammed into one building, which was better than them sleeping in a ditch, but still not optimal conditions. And so, what we have started to do is we've started to seek out families, quality homes that have a husband of one wife, because there it's very common for a husband to have several wives, but a husband of one wife employed with a clean home uh, and a desire to help. And we've been placing kids with these different homes and then we follow up to make sure the kids are being cared for. So for those of you that may have already sponsored a child through our fostering program, um, those funds, 100% of those funds flow through us to the child, to the family. Uh, we actually eat those processing fees if they're not paid for by you. Everything goes to this family. Um, if the kid's staying in our care and living in this children's center, then those funds stay with us to care for the child. So that's kind of how that piece of it works. The schooling donation is a little bit different. Those funds go to whatever school the kids are attending. If they're attending our school, then obviously they stay with us to pay the teachers and so on. So as we wrap up, and this will be a little, uh, little bit shorter podcast than normal. We'll typically keep these 15 to 20 minutes or so. Uh, but as we wrap up, just got a couple of prayer requests to throw your way. If you don't mind keeping us in prayer, um, first and foremost, um, pray for the kids. Uh, obviously, uh, we are there uh, to make sure that they know who Jesus is. We want to make sure that they've got food and shelter and medical needs are covered. Um, we want to make sure that, uh, um, that they're getting a quality education. And so uh, pray for the kids. You just got to know that these kids have seen and endured things that most of us will never have to in our life. And so just continue to pray for them. And uh, next, if you would pray for um, somebody I know you've probably never heard of, Dr. Amanya. Dr. Amanya is uh, somebody who has taken time <clears throat> to come from Kampala to Jinja on multiple occasions to check on the kids, to see how they're doing, just to do basic checkups um, normally for free. 
And uh, he even, we had an accident last year where several kids were hurt. And we'll, we'll tell that story sometime. But he even allowed us to bring several of the kids to him. And he treated them and kept them there for several months um, and allowed us to make payments to him. Now, in Africa, that's almost unheard of. For you to go to a doctor, you have to pay in advance. And so he allowed us to make payments, which we have paid off that debt with him already. But I want you to pray for him. Uh, he's actually flying to, um, I think he's flying to, uh, not, not Nairobi, um, he's flying to India right now for a procedure. I don't know exactly what's wrong, um, but he is en route. Um, we actually made a donation to help uh, him get his trip there. Uh, but just pray that that surgery goes well um, for him, for his family, for his wife, and for his kids. Uh, obviously pray for him, but also for our kids. He, he plays a pretty pivotal role in the health of our kids as well. So pray, pray for Dr. Amanya. Also pray for Eddie. Uh, pray for our volunteers. Um, at some point, we'll talk a little bit more about the volunteers, and we'll tell some of their stories. It is truly amazing, but several of our volunteers who are women came out of prostitution rings, and what happens is Eddie will go walk around, and I, and I walked with him in these areas, but he'll walk around where the prostitutes are, and he'll talk to them and say, hey, do you want a different life? Do you want to get out of this world? Do you want to get out of this uh, the type of work that you're doing? And if the ones who will engage in conversation, because they quickly realize he's not going to be a paying customer, um, but the ones who will still engage in conversation and say, yes, I would love to leave this type of life, um, he introduces them to Jesus and he takes them back uh, to, um, to a different place away from that alley or away from where they're working. And he will um, go get them tested and he'll introduce them to the kids and he'll show them how to tailor, to make clothing, to make money, to clean houses, things like that, to where they can go make an honest living. And then they end up serving and, and helping to take care of these kids. And they're, they're so committed. Um, I can just share some pretty amazing stories about how some of these volunteers have just really sacrificed a lot. But at the same point, they're not perfect. And um, I don't know that this is happening by any means. I don't really have anything that makes me want to say this, but you have to know that when they're struggling, I'd like to think that it might be something that crosses their mind that they could go make some money if they needed to, and they could go back to an old way of life. And so just pray for our volunteers, make sure that they don't fall, um, that they don't fall short and that they continue to, um, you know, seek Jesus to, uh, continue to, uh, stay steadfast in the task that they have with taking care of these kids. They work endless hours. If you can imagine taking care of 106 kids, three meals a day, showers, cutting their hair, hygiene, make sure nobody's getting sick, medicine, all those different things. Um, our volunteers work tirelessly. And so just make sure you're praying for our volunteers. Um, in particular, pray for uh, Eddie, pray for Sheba, pray for Medina. Um, these are just a few of the volunteers that are working very hard with the kids. And then lastly, I would ask that you pray for the staff, for the board members here uh, in the United States as well. Uh, keep in mind, we don't really have any paid staff, no full-time employees, nobody that's really paid to do this. We are truly a volunteer army. Um, it does help us to keep with our core values, one of which is to do much with little. Um, and so we, we kind of embody that with you know no real paid staff or anything. But um, we do ask that you pray for us. We have a lot of decisions to make, uh, often daily. Um, and we want to make sure that not just that we're blessed with the money coming in to do the task, but that God is guiding and blessing these efforts and, blighting, uh, and, and blessing the finances that are coming in. So pray for us, pray for the decisions that we have to make. And as we wrap up, uh, I would ask that you take a moment to read James 127 and see what God has to say about caring for orphans and widows. And maybe, uh, you know, read that as you're praying for us. So we appreciate you guys. Go create some ripples this week. We love you. And we'll talk to you again in about two weeks.